make sure to make lots of loud, annoying noises. That's what fine. What you do, Nick? Hmm? What were you going to do? I was just going to fuck with both of you, you know, make you, um, make you both talk about doing game design, you know, especially since you have people that are making train out of uh, whatever they can scrape up and find. You motherfucker. And, and, and yes, I can totally see that you already pressed the live button. <laughs> I, I knew it was... I knew as soon as you asked, you know, so what were you going to do, Nick? I went, he's pushed the live button. <laughs> so good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I Actually, I kind of like doing the intros goofy like that. You know, just talking about something and just randomly hitting the button. So tonight, if you haven't already heard, we have Benson Green back on the show. Say hi, hey, Benson. How's it going? I am, right, I'm ready now. Uh, oh, he's opening his beer. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, I have drafted kilt from uh, Monday Night Brewing. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in a hotel in Birmingham, so I have Anchor Steam, which was the best I could get. <laughs> Never had it. Uh, I don't know if I have. The bottle looks familiar, but it might have just been at a hotel where that's the best I can get. Uh, and as always, or mostly always, our faithful host, Tim, is here as well, flipping me off on the camera. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's <laughs> like up with that. To, I like what to call that double, double middles. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it going, guys? Well, thanks for having me back on. It's really exciting to be back. Uh, I had a lot of fun last time, and uh, I'm, I'm already having fun. Before, before the live button was pushed, I was having plenty of fun. So um, I'm, I'm happy to be back, and uh, this is always a really good experience. You caught me at a really odd time, though. Um, I was actually in Atlanta. I was talking to you earlier today when you messaged me on Facebook. I was actually in Atlanta today, <laughs> but I wasn't there for very long. And I know you have, like, a day job, so I was like, I... I guess I shouldn't tell Nick I'm in town because he can't see me. I'm there for three hours in the middle of the day, and then I'm leaving again. Well, you can always come by my office and see how, like, a big game company is run. Oh, except for you're not a game <laughs> company. You're a distributor. No, we're not. We're a game company, too. What? What? You're actually making games now? Who do you think is responsible for Codenames Deep Undercover? I, heard, I, hear, that's a good, I hear that's a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess you did talk about that one, didn't you? We did. There's some other ones I can't talk about yet because I'll get fired, and I don't want that oh. to happen. However. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get fired. Well, we certainly can talk about Exiles, and I will get yeah. fired. <laughs> <if I don't laughs> There's going to be Exiles talk. We, we do actually have two <laughs> games to talk about. One of them you know, actually has a full engine behind it, but... You know, we will we will talk about Exiles, and we're going to talk about some Thantis, because Tim had an amazing fucking time running one of his first full-on demos. Really? I did. I did. Wow. So Nick, uh, Nick was, uh, uh, Tim was just telling me about, uh, about the system uh, before the live button got pushed. It sounds pretty cool. I didn't know you were at the point of uh, running giant-ass demos, though. Oh, yeah. So, um, like I was saying, man, like Fantas the Dark Below, which is that first like really gothic one I was doing. Mm-hmm. That one at this point, outside of just uh, finishing the last bit of the the encounter deck mechanic, it's done. That game's ready to go. I just need artwork and writers. Encounter deck. Well, how does that work? Why don't you lay this on me? Sure. So the the system very much plays like a a Frostgrave or a Mordheim, where we each have a war band of anywhere between six to ten models. 
um, the warbands themselves are very much based on like alternate historical earth armies. So like the order of the bear are like your French and English knights and yeomen and things like that. Um, your cult of the scorpion are your pseudo Egyptians. Uh, the, the Raiders of the great Raven are clearly Vikings. And then, uh, you've also got, uh, the Legion of the Wolf, which is kind of a, a cross of your Greek and Romans. They're kind of rolled into one. So you've got like centurions along with gladiators and Spartans. Um, and we're encountering something at some point, right? Yeah. So the game is very much going to be very skirmish based and story driven. So you're not just running in the middle and killing one another. I mean, that's one of the basic scenarios for learning, but once you get into the game, don't play that version anymore. Sure. Um, so right now I've got eight different scenarios that are planned. Those are still being written out. Um, but what differs in, with this one compared to a lot of games is um, I, for a lot of our listeners, I know this is going to sound like a broken record, but I've always liked the idea of like the dark Gothic Ravenloft style dungeon where it's like, you don't just walk into these dungeons kicking in doors, slitting orc throats and just being like, Oh, whatever, nothing here is going to bother me. Right. Like if the three of us were to walk in there, regardless of like how armed to the teeth we were, with even modern day weapons, we'd still be walking in there with a the torch going, what the fuck did we get involved in? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> Ravenloft is near and dear to my heart. I was yeah, like, I was like, that's what, that's what I ran in, uh, in high school. I ran, I ran long, long ass Ravenloft campaigns. <laughs> I have a prize collection of all the Van Richten's guides on my bookshelf. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I actually, I was Ravenloft and dark sun because I, I go like from Gothic to just straight up savage. But, uh, um, so I, I drew a lot of like inspiration from like Ravenloft as far as how Thantis is run. And, um, you know, now I really wanted to give it that feeling that like you're trapped in this city that is not only entropic, um, but the man that initially created it, the original creator of the city has kind of become like his own demigod and feeds off of the people that come into the city. So the area that Thantis is created on is actually like a power nexus and Whenever people build a civilization on top of this power nexus, their city becomes massive and it becomes the most powerful, you know, country or nation in the world at that time until the forces of Thantis finally swallow it whole and takes it within itself. Sure. And then Thantis and the denizens within like feed upon the souls of those that it swallowed. Yeah, like 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 Troy esque. Like where yeah. is it now? Like Atlantis, yeah, Troy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like Atlantis, Troy, and I hinted a lot of those in the lore about like, you know, Troy being a great example of that, where it's like, nobody can fuck with Troy. What happened? So um, kind of the, the thought process behind that is that they fed upon the power of what Thantis was. They built it in the spot of where Thantis existed, and it was swallowed. It raced from the face of the earth. And with it, it's populous. Gotcha. So in the game itself, there's actually mechanics involved to where in order for you to not die in order for Thantis, the city and the demigod that, you know, is the, the same namesake to not feed on you is to literally kill other people. And then he squeezes with like when, as they die, their final breath as it comes out, he, the, the shadows coming around it and just like squeeze every last bit of the soul out of it. And it drops behind it obsidian gems that are used for like a currency. But well, that's pretty it, fucked it, up. It is. Well, that's the whole idea. 
I, I designed the game to be, to very much feel like okay, you have dove in, you've dove into yeah. this like going for glory and riches and all this other stuff. So instead of finding like warp stone, that's just like this horrible substance. You're like, ah man, I'm low on cash. Let me knife my buddy and and take his uh, yes. his soul gem. Yeah. So in a fucked up way, that's exactly how you keep living in order to try to escape the city. So yeah, sure. on top of that too, the encounter deck. What ends up happening is all these are just like mundane people. So. For book one, anyway, there's there's no wizards or warlocks or sorcerers or any clerics. None of that. You're you're just dudes. Yeah, Tom, Dick, and Harry stabbing each other and taking their soldiers. Yep. Right. Yeah, exactly. However, Thantis, being the power of the city, actually can grant you spell-like abilities that comes mm-hmm. in the form of the the deck that I created called the Dark Packs. Okay. So inside of the Dark Packs deck, um, each player designs like a deck of. Right now, I'm kind of leaning towards like. Uh, 25 points that could change but the idea is that you build a 25 point deck i build a 25 point deck now i each card has like a certain cost sure so you have your one point cards which might be like oh this weapon's plus one strength for this round like oh yeah look at this i got a bigger weapon or you know it's just like some magical effect came about that or like you get like the obsidian carapace which is like an armor spell sure so you could use little stuff like that there's buffs debuffs and then they get a little bit more powerful. Well, one of the other things in there is called a summon, which isn't really a summon like we think of. It's no one waved their hands and then like a spirit wolf jumped out of somewhere. It's like, no, uh, no, like a random fucking giant just came walking onto the board. And now we're both looking at it going, um, how do we deal with this? So the reason why you would put the summons into the deck is that let's say I pull out a giant, like I play a giant, right? It came from my hand. So the way that it works is that the, the encounters themselves are always going to attack the model that's closest to them, regardless if it's yours or mine. So at okay. the end of the round, you measure for those, and then they will go for the closest model, or they'll they'll do their best to attack. So certain things with range attacks, if they're within range, with within range, they'll just fire at it. So the uh, so the giant is an encounter. So if I summon something, that that's that's part of the encounters. Yeah. And imagine so, we can also encounter other stuff, even if we don't yeah. summon it. Yeah. Okay. So um, the way, so going back to the giant, for example, um, you might have summoned it. So let's say you played the card for the giant. It walks in off the left hand side of the board, and it, it immediately attacks one of my models because I'm the closest. Sure. Now, do so, I do I decide where it comes in? There's going to be a role involved with that, but yes, sure. ultimately, you as the one who played the card will decide. So anywhere on that left hand side of the board, ob- obviously, you wanted to try to come closer to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Squish you, right? Yeah, exactly. So here's the here's the screwed up part about it is that I don't get experience from killing the giant, but you do because you summoned it. So if I'm beating on that giant and I knock it down to like one wound left and you just take your archer and go, yay, plink, you get all the experience from killing that giant while the whole time I was focusing on getting this thing out of my face. Right. <laughs> so I want I want that thing to smash you up. And you to beat the crap out of it, but and not kill me while you're killing it, but also not kill it. Correct. <laughs> it's layers. Right? It's layers. Yeah. So it's like an onion. Layers, right? It, it sounds extremely complicated. It's really not. It doesn't sound um, complicated. It sounds pretty. It sounds pretty simple. It, so it, it, it's just really simple. It's just it's just against it's just against normal game. You know how it flows. <laughs> that's all. Right. Not complicated. Yeah. yeah. So. One of the things that I added into it, because a lot of people were, were, were saying to me, you know, when I, while I was tossing out cards for people to read, they're like, well, why wouldn't I just take all the powerful cards and screw all these low-level powered cards? 
Well, the other reason why you'd want to do that is because, again, Thantis being the city that it is, is very fickle. You know, the, 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 the demigod that rules it is not a nice guy. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> these, are, these are not there for, like, these monsters are not your friends. They're not your buddies. So the fucked up part of that is, on the flip side of that, is that you have your 25-point deck. I have my 25-point deck. We actually make the encounter deck by shuffling those together. Yeah. So even if you decided to go, hey, Tim, guess what? Fuck off. I took the Greater Demon Lord. I took the Fomorian Giant. I just took all this nasty shit in my deck. If I draw your Greater Demon Lord and play it, well, now I just used your deck against you. So it allows people to build their, you know, their own encounters on top of whatever they're playing for the scenario. So gotcha. if you wanted to go with just a bunch of single point, like buff debuff cards, because it's your first time playing, you're like, I don't really want to screw with, you know, running into wraiths or alips or, you know, zombies or whatever else, you can do that. Or you can be like, I just want to have like buff spells to make my guys just tanky, tanky, tanky. You can do that too, but just keep in mind that I could end up drawing that card and using it against you. Sure, there's a, yeah, there's a random chance that you get my cards. Right. I get your cards. Okay. Right. So on top of that too, because our, our decks have value, so if I build like all just single point cards, so I've got a deck of 25, and you, because you built like this massive power deck, you might only have 10 cards. So there's a chance that, you know, we're going to burn through all your cards. Yes, there's a bunch of powerful stuff on the board, but there's also a chance that I'm, I could end up drawing more of those than you and gain the advantages. Mm-hmm. So it really creates a system to where, you know, like a game within a game where it's like, okay, well, every time we play, it is a totally different game. So what did you play, Nick? Uh, what? His, with, with in Thantis? his grand experiment. In his grand experiment. What did, what did, what did you I, actually? I didn't. I didn't have a chance to show up the night he was. He was demoing it. Actually, what? fucking ass. I what know. Fucking terrible of me. What would you but, have played? We were playing uh, a brewery. I know. I what? wanted to come out. I That's was totally. I was. I was totally set to come out, and I forget what the fuck happened. I think I had to work. Yeah, I had to work late, or I didn't have to. I ended up working late. People yeah. of the world, Nick has children, so you should forgive him. <laughs> well, there's that I, one. I, as too. a father myself, I understand that sometimes um, you can't you can't get away. <laughs> sometimes well, I'm just like, no, no, you've been out, you've been out every night this week. <laughs> so I, I will say, time. this brewery is actually pretty pretty uh, family friendly. You know, people are there with their kids all the time, and you know, it's it's a nice place. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind bringing my kids. You but, you have uh, this strange habit. I've noticed of bringing your children places um, where you're trying to also do things. I don't, I don't know if your children are just miraculously well behaved, but my kids, it would just, it would not work. It would not work. I'd spend all my time like corralling them. It's like, I don't chew on that. Stop it. No, don't break these guys models. Like don't do oh, that. Oh no, no, that, that happens. That happens quite a bit, but, but I, I just try and exude the patience to, uh, I mean, my oldest is 11. Yeah, he's he's been eleven for a week now. So uh, you know, I don't have to worry about him too much. He just he goes and finds someone. He like brings his magic cards in. He's like you, and they're like, I don't want to play. He's like, you're playing magic. They're like, five minutes later, all right, I'm playing magic. <laughs> One of the last times we were there, there were these two guys that came in. They bought like a fat pack of magic cards, and they were just randomly opening it, and whatever they got was what they were playing. And my kid walked up, and he's like, I'm going to play, too. They're like, okay. And he was, like, kicking both their asses. 
<laughs> he, he was having a good time. <laughs> I remember the good old days. That was, that was yeah. those were my last days of Magic. Was the seal pack tournaments because I, I played like in the like very early days of Magic when it was the when it was hot shit. And uh, and then it just got too much, man. There was too much stuff. It was, it was like it was like a full time job to keep up with it. And so then I dialed back to like only seal pack tournaments. Like I don't give a shit what your collection is. Seal pack tournaments, even keel. <laughs> and then I did that for a couple of years. I just did like a, a succession of seal pack tournaments. But now it's like it's all super serious. And people that do it professionally, fuck man, I can't do that. Yeah, it's like uh, same reason. Yeah, it's same reason why I don't play. Uh, I don't play uh, Privateer Press, uh, War Hordes. Like it's great, it's a great game, works very well, but uh, I can't take it. I can't, I can't take having to know all that stuff. I can't keep all that stuff in my brain. And then someone's like, "You lose." I'm like, "Why?" Like, well, you shouldn't have run so and so against so and so. Right? Didn't you know I had like whatever? I'm like, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I, what you got. I cast a single spell and killed your entire, you know, warband. <laughs> yeah. I, like, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you have a draft? Shouldn't yeah. you be able to like substitute in minis? I, I fucking, I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> these guys look cool. But <laughs> these guys look cool. No, right. you, you were you were criticizing my table for having a lack of um of exile minis. I was There's three of them hanging out right here with paint on them. That's so awesome. That's like more, paint more painted exiles minis. And then there's five, six, seven, eight, nine up on top of this building over here that. Is out of focus. Awesome, and that looks like a. That's not quite a foreground building, though. What what, what kind of building is that? It's certainly a, oh, a, a purchased MDF building. No, it's foreground. It's foreground. Oh, it is. It is. I sure. haven't actually finished putting all the all the stupid shit that goes on the sides of it on. I'm a big supporter of foreground. Um, I, Cad, if you're listening, um, good job, man. Um, Cad is a great guy. <laughs> foreground, but I I was, th- I was saying this on my um, on my Facebook live the other day. Uh, foreground does it right. I backed this Kickstarter, and not to be not to shit on uh, Black Mario Designs. I think they did a great job with their Kickstarter. They delivered a nice product. They they, they delivered it on time, and it's a great uh, it's a great set of buildings for Wild West. But I, I buy like all the Wild West buildings on the market because I have I guess an interest in knowing which Wild West buildings are good. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, they they did like doors are always the big thing on buildings. Like Sarissa Precision, for example, they etch in their doors. Ah, mm-hmm. I hate that. Right, like. The drawn indoors. It's okay. Um, and some of the buildings, they, they have like the doors that are entirely separate, right? Some companies do right. that, and Sarissa does that sometimes. We're like, okay, well, I could glue the doors in, or I could rig up, I could jury rig some system to make them open and close. Um, mm-hmm. But what Black Mario did, which is really interesting, it was, it was certainly innovative. I'll give them that. It was very innovative. They have a little slot in the bottom. Like all their buildings have bases, which I like because it makes the buildings very sturdy because mm-hmm. uh, the walls slot into tabs uh, on, the, on these bases. Um, and there's a slot that you slide the door up into, and a little like little thing that comes that you glue into the door that holds it steady, holds it uh, uh, parallel with the with the door frame. And so you can have the door open or closed by just sliding the door up inside the building. Very cool right. idea. Except if you forget that it's a Black Mario building, and you forget that um, <laughs> that there's a hole in the bottom of the of the floor that the door falls out of. When you pick that building up, every single time that door falls out. <laughs> you have to pick it up and like hold your hand underneath the door. Like I can't tell you how many times I picked up a black and white building and the door comes falling out on my floor and bounces under the couch. It almost looks like a ball cupping technique as you're explaining it. Yeah, carefully, you know, pick yeah, pick it up, you know, like you're cupping like you're cupping the uh, uh, balls. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that, and exactly. and gingerly too, and gingerly too, right? 
Uh, but no, but, but foreground, what's, uh, what's nice about it, you pay, like, I think it's like 25% more, basically, for uh, foreground um, than most other companies. Uh, pre-painted has a lot more value than you think. Pre-painted oh, is awesome. does, For a lazy guy like me, um, pre-painted is nice. But all their shit works. Their doors open and close. Their, their, their trap doors open and close. Like, you know, they've got interior doors that open and close. They, their, their roofs fit on nicely. Um, all the they have like all these little extra touches that make their make their buildings just like over the top. So, so you know, like, go ahead. The the only complaint I have with uh, foreground, and I mean they they do kind of preface it. They're like, hey, this is a skill level four. What they don't <laughs> tell you is that they don't go from like one, two, three, four. They just go like one and you know point five. You know, you put together a dumpster to you know, four. <laughs> the and, way I like to explain it, but it's their instruction sheet. You know, it's like because they just take pictures and they they don't they don't have like you know a hey this piece really goes in first. So I was putting one together that has a removable roof, but you had to put a piece that was sitting in the front in, and I didn't know that till after I glued everything else in, and I went motherfucker. Yep. That's the foreground <laughs> problem. Yeah, so I, I like to I like to recall, uh, refer to foreground as mad geniuses. They're 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 mad geniuses. They have these really really creative ideas for buildings. Like like they're they're Adobe buildings. I shit you not. The walls are angled, like an actual Adobe building, not straight up and down. Like they're angled. It's really fucking cool. I don't know how they did that, but um and they and they have instructions. And not every set of MDF buildings or plywood buildings has instructions. So having instructions is good. Having full color instructions is also good, but mm-hmm. um. My my but my general rule for assembling a foreground building is follow every instruction exactly, no matter how weird it seems. Because sometimes if you don't assemble things in the right way, like it just doesn't fucking work, and your building's done. Like you just fucked it up, <laughs> and you're not ungluing that MDF. But the other problem is, if you follow them religiously, there's always like there's like a couple of buildings and a couple instances where it's just fucking wrong, right? <laughs> so like so like if you don't follow the directions exactly every time. Um, you're you're in a world for you're in for a world of hurt like every single building. But if you follow the exa- instructions exactly every single time, there's gonna be a building, and I could probably make a list of them. I, I know mostly the Dead Man's Hand buildings, the Wild West buildings, mm-hmm. uh, and I can make a list of those the pitfalls in those. But and maybe I should do that. <laughs> but there's gonna be a time when you're assembling a foreground building where you're like, oh fuck, I followed the directions and it's done. <laughs> It's not going to go together now. Now I have to get out like saws and sandpaper, and I got to fix this thing and make sure it works. Like that's uh, that, that's that's definitely a foreground problem. So so I've got uh, this building. It's a fantasy building that's from foreground, and I was putting it together. Huh? Is it, it's one of the new uh, dwarf things, or is it like their Mordheim buildings? Uh, it's more like one of the Mordheim buildings. Cool. So I'm putting it together. And, you know, at one point, I'm like, I think I'm putting this together backwards. So I, I flipped everything around, and I got it all glued in, and I'm sitting there, and I started to do something else, and I went, son of a bitch. <laughs> now I did it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's happened to me when I started some of my You couldn't quite tell, and, you know, you know, until, you know, after you started, you're like, oh, no that's actually supposed to have been a door and this was supposed to be on that side, but now it doesn't fit. Yeah. They're, they're a little, they're a little too, they're, they're like I said, they're, they're, they're mad geniuses, right? There, oh. There's madness. There's madness involved in the creation of those buildings. I can only imagine how weird the assembly is on the mall, <laughs> their, their new mall, <laughs> which looks really cool. 
But uh, there's a lot of complicated shit in that mall. And oh, I there is. You, I guarantee you they try some new shit, right? <laughs> so <laughs> wait, wait a little bit before you buy the new foreground stuff. Wait for all the loyal customers to work out the kinks and the instructions. <laughs> I, I do wait want that mall. A YouTube video showing you step by step. I've been. I thought about doing that. I just don't have the time. Um, uh, I really, yeah. It's on my list of like things to do for Exiles customers. Is is like meticulously assemble uh, foreground buildings. And there's all the things you can do with foreground. Like if you're trying to teach people how to assemble foreground buildings, there's certain processes that they use consistently. Like the way they design their doors to open and close. It's it's a strange way to do it. Once you realize how it works, you're like, oh, that's genius. But then like like the logic of how it works. Once you right. know that, you're like, okay, it's a foreground door. Do, 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 done. So it's not even so much the door. Like, the door makes sense once you start looking at it, but it's they, they make a frame and all of this, and you're like, wait, where the fuck do I put? How does this frame go on here? How far do I put the door in? Do I push it all the way back? Do I push it all the way forward? Yeah. I've already put a few of them together, and every time I'm like, what the fuck, guys? That's the one thing I really wish you would do with your instructions. Full color instructions are great, but when you just have an arrow pointing, it goes here. Yeah. And you're from an angle where I can't tell if you pushed <laughs> it forward halfway back. You know, at least say you want it halfway in. <laughs> the instructions are definitely written by people that are very experienced at putting together foreground buildings. <laughs> but now we're, now we're talking just about foreground buildings, and uh, I thought we were talking about uh, about uh, Thanos, right? Thantis, yes. Thantis. We were. We were. So, so you what, asked what Warband you you asked what Warband would I have played? Yeah. So right now I would be playing the uh the Viking one. The Raiders of the Great Raven. Yeah, the Raiders you of the Great Raven. You told me about all the factions, but I guess you didn't tell me about that one. The Raiders of the Great Raven. I like that. Yeah, so essentially book one, there's gonna be Vikings, there's gonna be the the Greek and Romans, the Egyptians, mm-hmm. and the uh, the French and English. And this is fantasy, so we can uh, we can just roll them all together, right? Yeah, yeah, in its own way. Like I, I like to think of it more as like near fantasy kind of game Game of Thrones, where it's like, sure, you know, like clearly you can tell like this this country is Spain, you know, like Dorne is Spain, but it's yeah. it's not Spain. So yeah, that, and, and kind of, those cultural influences, cultural touch tones. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the the cool thing, and like what Nick was saying about uh, somebody making their own terrain from scraps, I yes. intentionally took um, the Morpheus engine, which is the, the, the engine that runs Thantis. Oh, so that, that is your Morpheus engine. That's not its own thing. Correct. Yeah, the Morpheus okay. engine will, like when I make miniatures games, it's I'm going to be using the Morpheus engine. Gotcha. Um, so the Morpheus engine, by the way, is, uh, is Tim's awesome... Uh, Miniatures gaming system that he's he's designing. Yes, works and, for everything. And if works you for look giant up, robots. And if you look up Morpheus yeah, engine, and if you look up Morpheus engine on Facebook, you can join the playtest group. And oh shit! Really? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. you can you can start playing with his rules. Morpheus um, engine. So so one of the cool parts is. The fact that after NASA, NASA has a project called Project Morpheus that's really getting in the way of my search results. So do Morpheus engine playtest. Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to find it. So Tim, you know, a couple days later after he had done his test, 
posted a picture from from the brewery's gaming group, and it and the guy said, you know, hey Tim, your game was so much fun. We wanted to play it again, but we didn't have anything to you know anything to use, so we had to make our own terrain. So they had blocks of styrofoam that had like buildings just drawn on it with pen really quick, and then like meeples out of a game. I don't, I don't even know no, what they, they had for figures. They, they took oh, course. and wrote, like, the letter of whoever that model was. Yeah. And they used yeah. corks. Yeah, so, you know, they've, they've got their table set up, and they've got corks, and they've got, you know, little styrofoam buildings and is all that. Is this your that. art here? Is this your art here, Tim? It On is the... not. Oh, okay. No, that is completely blatantly ripped off online. That will not don't go say in that. book. <laughs> Don't it's, just a, it's just a Facebook banner. <laughs> I know so you're, 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 you're trying to get art, right? You're like you're at the point of like getting artwork. artwork. Yes. Oh man, artwork! Oh my god! If you want to, if you want to talk about game design, um, that's that's one aspect of game design that a lot of people don't think about. And uh, Jiminy Christmas! Uh, if you want to be a game designer, um, uh, look up how to be an art director because uh, you're going to be an art director. <laughs> At some point, you're gonna you're gonna become an art director. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, it's it's something that you know I'm doing artwork for it as well. But on top of me, like you're an artist. Yeah, I am. Way to go! That's awesome. So, so um, you know, on top of me doing artwork and writing the rules and doing some of the writing for it as a whole, like I don't have time to do it all 100 percent myself. Yeah, you, so you, you know, can. props to Sean Sutter for being able to do that with Relic Blade. But whew, fucking a man, I can't do it. Yeah, I don't know how it does that. Like, I, 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 I can barely do, I can barely do uh, like half the things I want to do with, uh, with uh, Mindworm Games and Exiles. And I've got two business partners, um, who uh, who are very good artists, um, but channeling channeling their efforts can be a little bit uh, tra- problematic. It's uh, um, it's like herding cats. Uh-huh. It's mo- it's mostly <laughs> me. Like like ninety five percent of what happens with Mindworm Games is done by me. Um, the five percent they add is very awesome. Um, but like getting that five percent is like hurting cats. Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, it was my idea. I I, uh, I came up with the idea. I put up the initial cheddar, and I was like, "Hey guys, I got the whole all this money, and uh, instead of buying a new car uh, or uh, paying down my house note, uh, I'm going to start a management <laughs> company. I think we should do this game that you guys uh, came up with a while ago. Uh, are you in?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, sure. It's your money, right?" <laughs> <laughs> no, since, since then, they, they put up they, they they put in some of their own cash since then. But um, uh, yeah, but it is it was my idea, so I, I don't I don't I'm not upset about doing ninety five percent of the work. Uh, I'm just saying, getting that other five percent is like herding cats. But they're they're really good. Oh my god! Like just the other day, we were doing cards for uh, this new product we have coming out, Marple Surf, and I can check that off my list here. Marvel's <laughs> this new product. <laughs> this new product we have coming out uh, on uh, Monday. It's available now online for free. So if you go on our website, go to the free shit section. You can download the Marple Syrup stuff. It's a little mini campaign for ourselves. But anyhow, I was making the cards for it, and normally I get most of the art for our cards from um, period uh, catalogs. I do a lot of research, and I get uh, I rip the art shamelessly from way off copyright period catalogs. So I want that period look. But we needed. Um, we needed like a like a, a boxing glove on a spring um, because we're you know the marble syrup involves way too many greens references. Anyhow, we're sitting around and I was like, "Hey Jesse, uh, I need a boxing glove on a spring." In ten minutes, he spits out this art. And he's like, "There you go, buddy." <laughs> like, damn it, man! <laughs> Could you spend a day of your life and do all the art for the cards? Fuck! <laughs> this is really good. This is great. 
Look at it. Oh, it's awesome. It came out so good. Like that 10 is minutes. awesome. <laughs> 10 minutes. Damn it. So good at that. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, like, oh, God. And if you, uh, and if you see anybody's miniatures company, um, either either you need to respect them either because they are an amazing artist and they do sculpt those miniatures, or, or you need to respect them because uh, um, uh, that those miniatures, those sculpts are very expensive and uh, it's they're very hard to get done. <laughs> yeah. Very hard. Which I respect, Tim, is why you're just doing rules and not miniatures, right? Yep, you got it. So, <laughs> um, but one of the cool things, and this this will really... Uh, this will really, you know, kind of catch your eye when you're looking at it too. So the, the person that posted it, um, kind of going back to why I ran the play test at a, a, a game night they do at a brewery is that nobody at the game night has ever played a miniatures game in their life. Oh, cool. So I took all these miniatures and they're all like, what the fuck is this? And they were just <laughs> like, they were all blown away because they're used to seeing like cardboard tokens and I'm sitting here ripping out like, you know, six inch tall buildings and setting up these three by three tables and like shoving miniatures around with tape measures. And they're like, th their minds are being blown. <laughs> so I ended up running uh, two tables worth of games. And within, I'd say. Like, like uh, at the same time, like Bobby Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. Two tables worth of games at, at the same time. And I would say that within 15 minutes, you know, cause you got to stagger yourself. Everybody was playing the game and they were only asking me questions on advanced rules. Cool. Like they got the basics down. Now, now the the photo that was posted online, like the one that like really kind of hammered it home for me that like I was on the right track, is that uh, the the guy that took the rules that I had printed out home, he and his son were the one that played. Mm -hmm. His son is six years old. Now, before anybody out there starts making like references to like oh, Age of Sigmar's for babies too, this kid was, <laughs> like picked up on the rules themselves because i designed them to be simple and he was also picking up the advanced rules and you know yes there are modifiers but they're very easy mm -hmm. and he just he, he caught it and he was just playing that's awesome yeah my son is so six, like and uh and i would uh, uh um, we play a lot of different games we were just talking earlier about um, how we play um uh we manage somehow to play imperial assault together fun though it is the rules are a little bit uh dense um I would love if my son played Exiles, <laughs> but it's not for kids. I think the rules are simple enough, but it's not for kids. I'd be like, no, don't look at that card. Stop. Like, you would just approve all of his cards before you Yeah, them yeah, just take a sharpie and be like, all right, I'm going to make some Yayan cards. Here, just take all the, all the fucks out. <laughs> all the, I mean, you know, all the, all the, all the, all the subtle sexual references and the not so subtle sexual references. Yeah, I get through this. I actually, funny story. Um, two funny stories about Gen Con. We got invited back to Gen Con 2017. Marked it off my list. Uh, we got we got invited back to Gen Con 2017. Uh, we're just waiting for a booth number. Um, anyhow, but at, at Gen Con this year, we had two really funny instances with uh, uh, with uh, with little children. Uh, the first one, uh, this girl came up to the booth. And she was watching people play demos and whatnot. Um, and she and her friend came over, and they were looking at all of her stuff. And after, like, 20 minutes of looking around, um, uh, one of them said, I can make a team of, of, of all girls, which was really cool. Um, but um, uh, the, uh, actually, I'll, I'll give you three stories. Sorry. Not to hijack the thing here. But the second one, um, I was running this game in this, uh, uh, one of the events, 
that we run uh, in addition to doing our booth. And this guy comes up with this kid and he sits down. And this kid's, you know, like, hey, he's probably 15 or whatever, and they're going to play the game. Um, and they didn't, they have their, you know, they didn't sign up, right? But uh, I listed it as 18 or older because it really, I don't want to get in trouble, right? And, uh, you know, I said to the kid, I'm like, how, how, how old are you? You know? He's like, uh, you know, I'm 15. And his dad gives him this really dirty look. Like, what the fuck did you do? You can't say that. Now we can't play. And I'm like, yeah, you, guys, <laughs> you guys have to leave. I, I don't, it's my first year at Gen Con. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> my game says 18 or older. You just said you're 15. I don't want to, I don't want to get not invited back. <laughs> but then the third time, we have our, we have our, our mystery spittoon that we do at, uh, at Gen Con. And, part, and one of the things in the mystery spittoon are these, like, little fortunes that the spittoon gives you. Um, anyhow, so this guy comes up with his, uh, his like, 12-year-old son, and uh, one of our volunteers says, oh, how about the mystery spittoon? And before I could say, no, do not let that kid stick his hand in the mystery spittoon. The kid plunges his hand, and he pulls out this fortune. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I know some of these he really should not read. Um, and he opens it up, and he, and he shows it to his dad, and his dad's like, oh, what the hell? And he starts laughing, and he got he got the fortune uh, which said, uh, um, "They know you touch yourself." <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, at least it's very apropos. And I was like, from now on, we got a lucky break on that one. But from now on, nobody under eighteen puts their hands in the mystery spittoon. <laughs> Anyhow, well, we're talking about rules that are easy for kids. Yeah, so he has a six year old playing with him, right? Yeah, and so he caught on to not just like how activation works, how action points work, but like charging gang up bonuses, range bonuses and negatives and things like that. And like, he loves it. So, so what dice do you use for this monstrosity of a system? 2d6. Oh, 2D6. great. 2D6. Nice belt curve. Scatter. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, you mentioned you use an algorithm for your uh, point values, but yeah, 2d6 makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah is, so, is, is it always 2d6 with modifiers or do you roll some other stuff? 2d6 with modifiers, and then uh, the only other dice that you would use is a d8, and that's more or less for scatter, because, you know, grenades or fireballs and things like that will scatter off. So the d8 sure. is whatever number pops up is how many inches it'll deviate, and then uh, the the top of the point on the d8 actually shows the direction it goes in. So I don't need some random weird dice to show, oh, well, it flew this direction because of some pie chart. No, the, the pointy part of the d8, that's the direction it goes in, that many inches that are showing on the d8. That's a good way to do it. That's a really good way to do it. I'll write that down. I'll write that down right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing it down right now. Um, here's an important rulesy question uh, for all you uh, game designers or uh, will-be game designers out there. Um, does your system involve random movement? Mine? No. Yeah, yeah, no random movement at all? Nope. I don't know, Tim. I'm a big proponent of random movement. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big, big proponent of random movement. Not Why not? Why not? Anybody, but after playing games designed by Alessio Calvatore to where you get random action points and random movement and everything you do is random, I, I'm done with it. Like, it's just, uh, it's one of those things to where it's like, um, as much as I love the game, but like um, Shadow Sea and I'm forgetting the name of the other one that they have out there, Deep Wars. Mm, it's basically you, you roll a bunch of dice and it's like, well, if you if you roll anything at all, it's like your character just stands there like an asshole for the entire round. So if you roll bad enough, like on your actions, like if you want to say, well, I'm going to move this way twice and then I'm going to get down behind this cover and I'm going to take a shot at this guy up on this 
this rampart, then you have to roll dice for all that. And if you roll bad enough, your character literally just stands there, shit in his pants in the middle of the battlefield for no reason. So it's because of stuff like that that I've run into in systems to where it's like, eh, movement I prefer to be fixed. Now there are different bonuses to movement, negatives to movement, like rough terrain. Oh, oh, so you can, so you can. All right, all right. Well, you, all right. Well, if you can, if you modify your movement, that's uh, that's a little bit different. So my my concern with fixed movement, and I, I'm a big proponent of random movement. And there, there is random. As much as I don't like a lot of dice rolling, there is random movement in exiles. Um, uh, uh, so when you when running is fixed and your movement, your move value is fixed. But uh, if you're going to haul ass, if you're going to run in the doing phase, um, uh, you go essentially four to seven inches. Um, the reason why I have that random movement, uh, is because, uh, um, of the, of the problem of the, like, you can't ever catch a dude. Like if I'm running away from you and you're running at me, it would like, I don't like this idea that like you, I know based on the rules that I'm never going to catch up to you. Um, uh, so how do you, uh, is that a thing that happens or do you get around that somehow in, uh, in, uh, in Morpheus? So with Morpheus engine, all, all of the, the speeds are fixed. So, if we're talking about like two models sitting in a giant parking lot, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously the one with the higher speed, you're never going to catch him. Just like it sure. would be in real life. Like if I was to go up against a Kenyan sprinter, I'm fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm never catching that guy. I better hope I have a gun. Unless so- he takes a wrong turn, right? <laughs> so so you, re- you rely you rely on the on the wrong turn, right? Like you move badly and now I can get can catch up to you? You know, unless he sprains an ankle or something like that along <laughs> the way. It's just like, I, I you know, 95% of the time, I'll call it that, like, I'm not winning that race. Yeah, sure. So um, there's a lot of stuff that, that kind of gets in the way. So if you, if, you're, if you come up to something that's half your height, so every model has, like, a numeric size value that's actually kind of based on inches. So, like, a typical human's okay. height, too. Okay. Because it's based on, like, a 30-millimeter scale, a height to a human, that's average six foot. Well, that lets you have something smaller than a human too, which is important, right? It's like right. a little yeah, human too. Like, yeah. yeah, it allows you to have something smaller than a human. But let's say I come up to like a height two barricade, right? Like it's just like a, a field stone wall. Sure. I can cross over that without any penalty because I could just kind of like hop over it and shout parkour as I'm going over, you know, without any real <laughs> difficulty. Um, however, the moment that that becomes taller than that, like I'm suffering movement penalties for trying to go up and over that wall to chase you down. It's the same thing like we hit rough terrain, like we're running through like a swamp or a mud patch or, you know, just like rubble of a building. Yeah. That will also slow me down where if you have like um, sure footed or something like that where you, you don't suffer um, difficult terrain penalties. Well, now you're moving like normal where I'm slogging, even if even if I was naturally faster than you, I'm slogging to catch you. Sure. You know, and of course, there's other abilities in the game that you could use to slow people down. Like, you know, there's certain abilities that have stun, where if I hit them, they lose an action point. Or um, anything with the anything with the uh, shock ability, for example, will also cause them to lose speed if you hit them with it. So is it like a straight action point system where, like, I have a certain number of points and I do whatever the fuck I want with those points? Yeah, or or so is it like... Typically, every model's got two action points. Um, the game... Models in the game can actually max out at four action points, but at that point, you're practically a god. Now, this so, is now this is is this is this Morpheus or is this your other like your 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 like refinement of Morpheus into a thing of with Thanatos? Um, so this is the core system of Morpheus. Every gotcha. model, um, on average, has two action points. So you can go move, 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 shoot, shoot, move, attack, attack, spend sure. both in charge. Um, so st- stuff like that, where it's like, you, you, you kind of know what your model can do. Mm-hmm. And then 
That's pretty standard. You know, what, here's a here's a, a sort of a, a kind of a, a theoretical question. Um, why is two actions so common in uh, in tabletop war games? That, that, that's like the gold standard. Two actions. What's that? It's just kind of a less bookkeeping thing where you know it's like you know most people just hearkening back to like even your uh, your typical Napoleonics. It's like everybody moved, they lined up, they shot. So it's kind of stuck in everybody's brain that like it, it's kind of the idea: I move and then I shoot. Yeah, I think it, even you know, even so nowadays, think, like I, you know, move and move and shoot is uh, it makes a lot of sense uh, in a, in that kind of uh, war game. If you're talking about way back in the day in Little Wars and whatnot, but even now, if you if you move forward to games that have a much more open system in terms of what characters can do, um, a lot of games are still are still on uh, even if they're not on move and shoot, are still on two actions as a as a kind of standard. I mean, we use two actions in Exiles, right? Um, you know, there's there's two phases where you do shit, right? There's, a, there's, right. A, there's you know. Um, it just seems to work really well. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of other games where you where you do more than two things a turn. Well, Dark Age, for example, and I use that one from spending so much time at Coleman or not, but like Dark Age, they have an average of three action points per model. Oh. So, but their speeds on their models are a lot different. So, like, it's played on a four-by-four board, but when your average speed is three, that means that even if you spend all three action points moving, you're only moving nine inches. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not very far. Yeah. Right. So... You know, you kind of factor in, it's like, well, how fast do I want characters to get across the board and how much bookkeeping do I want to do per model? And, you know, the two action points also allows for a much simpler system when it comes time to, like, if I start doing, like, the the uh, the mass, you know, fantasy rank and flank combat. Well, they're going to move, they're going to shoot, they're going to move, yeah. and they're going to do melee, or they're going to charge, or, they, you know, they're going to do something that keeps it very much segmented and how they operate um but if i'm a know, badass I, though i get three actions i'm a fucking badass right i'm a, I'm a, giant, I'm a giant robot right <laughs> yeah and then uh, of course there are certain certain models that like i've been planning for like your higher power games where they they tap out at that four action points where it's like jesus christ this guy's gonna kill everybody yeah like, like jedi like I'm a, I'm a fucking jedi right like I'm, I'm, right. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like backflip over you i'm gonna kick you in the face i'm gonna stab you with my laser sword and i'm gonna like you know push you with my magic powers Right. You know, and then I've got certain abilities in the game, too, that also kind of modifies how the two action points works. So, for example, I've got rapid attack, right? Mm-hmm. So you select one of your attacks. So let's say it's just a long sword attack. It's really basic, nothing nothing major, but you're, this the model has the skill rapid attack. Let's say you're already involved in combat with somebody. You say, well, I'm going to burn both my action points. Now I get three attacks instead of just two. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice, yeah. Again, it's, you know, what, what the, the beauty of these uh, game systems God, there's so many like nowadays like the, the tabletop gaming industry is exploding i think it's like what like what 15 to 20 percent year over year for like the last seven years it's crazy yeah. um and there's so many games out there like one of the things that's like intimidating almost intimidating as a as a, as a game designer and as a as a small business owner in this space is that there's so much fucking stuff you're there's so many different games out there um but we're all we're all looking for that magic formula of that of these very similar systems, very similar rules, um, and everything's just like like just a little tweak. It's just a you know, it's like it's like the the mix that goes into a into a, a pastry. Like everybody can make their own pumpkin pie, right? And it's mostly the same shit. Um, and I think it's what some people don't appreciate about game design in this system, in this uh, in this uh, especially this day and age, but game design in general, where you're all you're all baking with the same materials, you're all making the same kind of thing, um, but it's it's how you tweak it and how exactly you put it together that makes that that makes that magic. Yeah, well, you know, the fucked up part of it is, mm-hmm. too, 
kind of a quick tangent on that when it comes to the game design. Um, there's actually a ruling, how many months ago was it? Three or four months ago now, and I might be wrong on that. I don't exactly remember the specifics of how it came up, but the Supreme Court ruled that game mechanics cannot be copyrighted. Are you talking about the law, Tim? Yes. <laughs> Are you talking about the law? So there is literally <laughs> nothing stopping anybody from taking what goes on in Exiles completely it and making it whatever they want to do. As yeah, long of as course. it's not another yeah, Western yeah. game using um, it's 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 not copyrightable um, except in the exact um, in the exact words you use to express it. Um, that's because copyright. If you want to be talking about the law, I'm a trial consultant, by the way. I've I've a lot of experience in copyright and trademark law, uh, especially with my pro bono work because I'm a super spell guy. Um, but uh, 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 copyright does not protect um, systems or methods of operation. That's also why it doesn't protect uh, software. Um, uh, uh, and a lot of, of course, software engineers, I think, are, are, I think are cool with that. They like that idea. But anyhow, um, you know, a rule system is a system, right? It's a system. It involves methods of operation. It's, uh, it's not a, a, an artistic work. Um, it involves lots of work and a lot of creativity. Um, but uh, it's certainly potentially patentable, although because, because we're all baking with the same materials, you're not going to be able to patent, you know, a, a, a recipe for a fucking, you know, pumpkin pie. Right, there's so many pumpkin. There's so many. Some people have been doing pumpkin pies for so long. It's not. It's not. It's not inventive. It might be new, but it's, it, the the newness of it is so narrow and specific that it's right. not going to be protectable. And that's why, like, I tell people, you know, when we were doing exiles, I put my shit out online. I was like, go take a look at. it. Everybody wants to take a look at it because there's no secret to protect. There's nothing. There's nothing special to protect. Like you, you know, you can steal it. and That's fine or whatever. But I'm going to make my own game. I'm going to make everything about it uh, as, as good as I can make it. And uh, I'm going to offer it for a reasonable price. And, uh, you know, my, the way I run my company and the way I, I treat my customers, that's what's going to sell my game. And it, not, not just how awesome the rules are. Um, and I, I very much believe that. Yeah, and it, it's a good way to look at it, too. So, you know, one of the things that I kind of had with the Morpheus engine and everything that goes with it is, you know, I've said it before, like, it, it's like, GURPS for miniatures. Yeah. To where, you know, but I don't I don't ever want to release a product for it where it's like, oh well, this is Morpheus Engine Fantasy Skirmish, you know, or Morpheus Engine Fantasy Mass Battle. It's like, no, um It's Morpheus Engine Fan what is it, Thanos? Fantas, the Dark Fantas. Below. You know, Fantas, like the Dark it, Below. That right. is it's a brand. Just like uh, the, the yes. Mass Battle one right now I'm going with uh <laughs> I love it. You know what? It's it's hilarious. I'm not going to forget that again. He, he shows up to the podcast and he's like, all right, I don't care what we talk about, but I have things that I want to talk about written. And he has this list on a legal notepad. Notice he did mention that he does legal stuff for a living. So that part's not, but he has a legal notepad and he has them itemized and like starred on the ones that are really important. <laughs> he's like, these are the ones that we're going to talk about at some point, or I'm going to fit in. <laughs> and all throughout this podcast, something's gotten said, and he stops and he writes it down. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, you know, I mentioned the worst cards ever. I mentioned Marple Syrup. I mentioned Gen Con 2017 and the campaigns we run at Gen Con. Um, I, however, did not uh, so far get to mention <laughs> I like Cooper's, how <laughs> Cooper's Provender Purveyor deck, which is coming out uh, Monday <laughs> after next. And I didn't mention the new Walburn persona that we have coming out 
hopefully this year. It depends on whether Matty Zander, which is next on my list, Matty Zander, our sculptor, it depends on whether or not Matty Zander <laughs> finishes the sculpts uh, uh, as quickly as he could. Now, Matty is an amazing sculptor. I really love him. And uh, he's doing, our, he's doing our, our first job for us at Exiles, um, uh, for Exiles. Um, I will say, however, that he did these two Walburn sculpts um, uh, totally finished. Um, and I said, Matty, that ain't going to work, buddy. <laughs> that's not going to work. I was like, those are nice sculpts, technically proficient, but that's not what I asked for. And he's like, well, dude, what did you ask for? And I said, all right, well, this is what I asked for. And he said, you got to tell me that shit if you want me to sculpt that. I said, I did. I told you that shit. It's in a brief. <laughs> so there's a reference deck. There's a brief. There's all this great stuff. He's like, you didn't give me a brief. <laughs> I, said, I said, yes, Maddie, I did. Uh, and I was like, well, here it is. Here's the link to the brief. He's like, oh, man, that would have been really useful. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. all right. I was like, all right. How about how about how about you do it again, and I'll pay you half again, since it's all both of our faults. I'll pay you half again. He said, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's cool. Uh, I'll take the blame on this one, which is very nice of him. Very so he's a very professional sculptor, by the way. If you're looking for a sculptor who's not, you know, um, a man baby, um, which is sometimes hard to find. So he is a very professional guy. Anyhow, so he goes to sculpt it again, and uh, and then he gets fucking pneumonia. <laughs> And I'm like, damn it, give me a break, world. I wanted this out by Christmas. Um, but he just sent us work in progress pictures, and they're amazing. And I'm like, all right, now that we've actually talked about what the character is, and you've seen, you've seen more than a concept art, you've seen the whole brief and the reference deck and everything like that, now it looks great. Now, now I'm very excited <laughs> to see these guys finished. Anyhow, so now, now that's everything on my list. Well, fantastic. I'm glad we got through that list. I noticed that we're, we're four minutes from the hours. So I got everything on <laughs> I, I did. I did like that because you're like, well, we got this and we got this. And I'm like, he's going to go into everything he didn't get. <laughs> he's going right. to get it. <laughs> I, I am excited about this Morpheus engine, though. And, I, and I'm glad that, um, that while we were talking that uh, Nick or Tim, I think it's Tim, has uh, accepted my, uh, my request to join this Austin Facebook group. Yeah, that's me. Um, I'm the only admin in my group. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, with with it appears that the members are um, um, uh, a mixture of uh, of beardy dudes um, and uh, and emo guys and hipsters. It looks like yeah, this guy's definitely. So you saw Seth, you saw Tim, and you saw me. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and this guy Brian with a Y. He's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, Brian Tucker. Yeah, is he in Atlanta? Yes. I'm very excited about that. I'll have to come back to Atlanta again. I, I like Atlanta. You know, I have to say, um, the first time I actually spent any time in Atlanta was at Warzone Atlanta um, a couple weeks ago um, when I was supposed to meet you guys in person. But um, I hung out at Gigabyte's Cafe for two hours waiting for Nick to show up. Um, and apparently Tim was there the entire time. And I just sat in a chair <laughs> watching people play Magic going, oh, what the hell? Nick's not here. Um, now, to be fair, in my own defense, I, very, I apologize for leaving. I left after two hours, but I, I apologize for leaving, but I was very drunk when I was, when I was waiting for you. <laughs> I was sitting in that chair. I was sitting in that chair going, oh, God, don't throw up. Uh, I got to meet Nick. <laughs> Anyhow, but Atlanta's a really cool place. Holy shit. I fly through Atlanta all the time, and I, I've seen the airport, but I've never seen anything else in Atlanta. It's a pretty damn cool place. Yeah, we. I definitely love it, especially you know coming from the Milwaukee area where there's still a lot to do up there. But traffic is the one thing that to me is the bitch. Oh God, traffic is terrible. Well, it's a big city, you know. If you go to Houston or Dallas, you know traffic's pretty terrible. Yeah, I hate Dallas too. Everybody hates Dallas. <laughs> Sorry, people who live in Dallas. Sorry, Reaper Miniatures, but everybody hates Dallas. 
Yeah, yeah, but, that's... yeah, Reaper's at least a little outside of Dallas. They're still in Texas. <laughs> 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 They're still in Texas. Um, my, I, now, my sister lives in Austin. I do also love Austin. Um, Austin's a very cool place, but it's not really, you don't really feel like you're in Texas when you're, when you're in Austin. And now we're even, now we're talking about cities. We're not talking about games. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, we were talking about Reaper miniatures. That's eh, right. That's right. They're Texas. Are there any miniature Austin. companies in Austin? Uh, Red Republic Games. There you go. There, there, there we go. See, so see, now we were going to get there somehow. Yeah. Now we can talk about Austin because Red Republic Games is in Austin. Yeah, uh, but now guys- let's move on to something else. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a lot of the saw a lot of the um, Arena Rex stuff at Gigabytes, actually. Yeah, have a whole section on uh, uh, on their stuff. Yep. very Arena cool Rex. models, by the way. They are cool models. I hear the um, game is good. I haven't played it. I have a whole bunch of their stuff, um, but I haven't actually assembled the models or painted them or played the game. I I have assembled my models, but I haven't had a chance to paint them. Uh, you know, the miniatures like there's a. I've, I have discussions about this with uh, with Josh Qualtieri sometimes, who runs uh, Zombie Smith. Uh, uh, I guess it's Zombie Smith Studios. He has this game called Quar and, and and a couple other games. Anyhow, I had this discussion with Josh sometimes, and we actually had this discussion about the Exiles miniatures, which is um, uh, how accessible they are to the customer. Um, and I think the problem with the the Arena Rex miniatures is that they're gorgeous, uh, but they're very intimidating to paint. Oh my god. Because they're, they're detailed and they're beautiful, and there's these wonderful I, miniatures, and I'm like, I'm gonna fuck these up. I, I'll, I'll uh, be honest, I totally 100% agree with you. <laughs> fuck these up, but these, uh, these, this is not a test miniatures you got there, man. Anybody yeah. can paint those. Anybody. They look good with like you know like three colors and a wash, good. And they, or you can paint them beautifully, right? Well, you can get those tabletop ready in no time at all, which I think you did this week, right? You've been painting those this uh, week. I painted I painted three or four of them this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you started on uh, the challenge yet, Nick? I I have not. He is sitting there. He's he's primed, but that's it. The challenge. I, what is the challenge? Ha, have you started? Yes, I have. Ooh ooh. I, I'm I'm out of the loop here. What is this? What is this? So, <laughs> so Tim has uh, regularly commented on uh, my uh, painting abilities or the lack thereof for like yeah. the last like you know, month or two. So, Lay off. so I, I, I reached out to, um, to a mutual associate of ours, um, Joseph McGuire, World's End Publishing, the makers of This Is Not A Test. There, yes, now, very nice guy. I got a, um, I, I backed their Kickstarter, and one of the things that came with it was the Johnny Atomic miniature. Very cool model. Yeah, Waste nice traditionally DJ. sculpted model. And so, you know, I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, Joey, do you happen to have an extra one of these guys? Because Tim has said that, you know, we're going we're gonna to paint some models up, we're going to take some pictures of them, and we're going to let people choose which one they like better. And, um, and so he that's went, the challenge? Yeah. Like you, you're both going to paint the same miniature and people are going to be like, oh, wait, Nick sucked. Tim's, Tim's a much better <laughs> painter. Exactly. That's, that's mean. That's way. mean. That's mean. You can't do that. Nick so, decided to do this. I'm just putting. I'm there. looking at a man. I'm looking at the man's painting table right now on this Google whatever hangout thing. I'm looking at his painting table now. He paints his shit. Don't give him any crap about it. He's painting his stuff. <laughs> Have you seen my painting table? There's there's like there's like a palette on his table with like paint all over it and shit. There's like 50 different colors on it. There's like bottles everywhere. He paints his shit. 
My painting people is like one sad stormtrooper with like a little bit of black paint on him. That's my painting. It's like a palette that has like two colors on it. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to find a new painter for these Exiles miniatures because I'm not going to do it. Like, that's me. Um, if somebody paints their miniatures, you should lay off. That's my opinion. As a person who doesn't like to paint their miniatures, someone's painting, you need to lay off. Yeah, I, I've been throwing little barbs at him, and he's like, well, I've never seen you paint. So he decided, he's like, let's have a painting competition. I was like, oh, it's your funeral, man. So, uh, so. I, I See, I just assumed you were a really good painter. I just I just made that assumption. I, I, I actually haven't seen any of your miniatures. Do you use an airbrush? No, I do not. All right. Do you wet blending? Yes, I do. All right. So, all right, so he's a better painter than you, than you Nick. If a man can wet blend, if a man can wet blend, he is categorically a better painter than you. That's that's. Those are my two questions. Do, do you use an airbrush? Yes, he's a better painter than you. Do, do you, if you don't use an airbrush and you wet blend, he's still a better painter than you. <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't matter what I said. I did. I just wouldn't be better. I've seen I you that's 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 trying to wet blend. I've seen you trying to wet blend. I think. <laughs> that's just, that's just, I like how you can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> That's just still wet paint on the miniatures. He's taking a picture of Instagram. I can't do that shit. You know, my problem with miniatures for a long time, for a long time, um, I tried to paint miniatures, and I was very serious about it, and I was trying to be really, really good at it. And uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Chip uh, Cinema, who, uh, who moved down to uh, not far from me. Unfortunately, he moved to Houston, which is a, it's a, it's a massive, it was a massive loss to me. But anyhow, Chip uh, came down and... Uh, and uh, his favorite phrase was good enough, right? <laughs> good enough. Right? Just get it done. It's good enough. And that was like all things in life, good enough. And, uh, and you know what? I, I learned the satisfaction of just doing a, a, a decent paint job and just saying good, fucking good enough, man. It's fucking good enough. I got myself some army painter. I got some, I got some, uh, some dip. I'm like, fucking good enough. Not good enough to put pictures on my website, right? I got to pay a dude for that. But good enough to play with. It looks better than bare metal. It looks better than some prime dudes. And at, at, at three feet, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah, after a while, like, you start losing so much detail. So um, good example of this is my ogres that I painted up for uh, Kings of War. So I actually did, like, tribal tattoos. So, you know, one of the things that, that was one of the themes for uh, the ATC uh, for um, – why am I now forgetting the name of the event? Actually, it was just – the 40k ATC event up in uh, Chattanooga. I'm drawing a blank on the name. That's good enough. It was in Chattanooga. Yeah. So whatever. So they were like, "Oh well, you know, add some of your personality to your miniatures. What makes these miniatures similar to you?" So like, I took the ogres and I literally did a tribal sleeve on every single one of the ogres, and I even had like the tribal kind of come up onto their face. Which, when you're looking at it up close and personal, it's like that's actually decent. You get back, you know, about three feet on the table. You're like, what the fuck's going out their arm? <laughs> <laughs> Why is his arm all fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, you, don't you know how to highlight? <laughs> like, so are these lepers or what do we got going on here? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, like one of them, I actually, I went in and I actually did like four various size marks on the chin. Like he was mm-hmm. kind of coming up underneath his jaw to kind of mimic teeth. Which, when you're up close and personal looking at it, you're like, okay, that's that's decent. You know, I didn't go into, like, a, a shit ton of detail because I had to do, like, 30 of these guys. Yeah, sure. But 
you know, I, I went through and I did all that. But when you step back, it just looks like I took like this cold black paint and just went on the side of his face. <laughs> That's why I like um, uh, Crooked Dice uh, Game Design Studio. I think I think it's their official company name. But Crooked Dice is, is the company. Um, I like whoever does their painting. I really like it because uh, it looks very crisp and professional. Um, they're painted miniatures on their website, but it also looks really approachable. Like you see those minis and you're like, I could do that. Not even though you couldn't, <laughs> you categorize <laughs> kit. You look still. You look at those miniatures like I could do that. That looks like that looks like my skill level. Whereas like you get those Spanish painters, fuck man, those Infinity miniatures, for example, and then some yeah. of these other companies are like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't know the marketing. I don't know like if there's any research on it. But like it would be really interesting to find out what the research is on like quality of paint job versus um, uh, effect on sales. Like I I, I bet that there that there is a curve. Where at some point when the equipment, the paint job quality keeps going up, it, its effect on sales starts being negative because you're like, "Fuck, man, I can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> not none of me. I'm not going to buy that model. I can tell you that it matters a lot from working at Simon. So it's funny when I was running some demos for Dark Age, we had like just some base painted models, right? You know, like it was pretty much army painter and dip, and then good for the table because we didn't want to yeah. put out, you know, for demos on, you know, like the the. You don't want to put a two hundred dollar paint job on the table to get messed up by by the by the by the masses, right? Two hundred dollar, boy, you are cheap. But anyway, well, uh, yeah. Well, I'm saying at, at the very least, right? At the very yeah. least, right? That's how much these fucking paint jobs cost. Like, it's worth it. But like, at the very least, you're talking like at least two hundred dollars. Yeah. So, you know, I've got like just basic kind of army painter and dipped, mm-hmm. and a little bit of highlight after that, just to make them pop a little. And people are like, oh, those models aren't that great. You know, like meh. They kind of him and haw, and then they go over to like the actual display cases with the same miniatures, and, and they don't even realize it's the same miniature. And they just go, "Holy shit!" Next thing you know, they're buying a whole army just based on the painted. So it's just like, oh, you know, there, there's something to be said about it. If you have a gorgeously painted miniature that shows every single bit of detail on that model, that's how I get yelled at, right? Like the most common complaint I get from other people in the biz is, uh, dude, man, you need to get painted miniatures on your website. And I'm like, yes, I do. I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, but I don't have the fucking money. <laughs> I don't have the fucking money to pay for a decent paint job. And I can't do it myself. I can't do it. My business partners can't do it. I don't know anybody who can do it locally. That, uh, they can do it like a, 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 you know, a, a Lightroom photo, you know, a photo quality um, website uh, a paint job unless I pay for it. And I don't have the money for it right now. So until our business gets better, until like until my like my room game, like we released our customer uh, um, company this year, and like you know we, you know we were like thousands, like tens, more than ten thousand dollars in just in sculpting, right? Sculpting and the concept art and all that shit. Shit's expensive, dude. And uh, and then you add on that getting the sexy painted miniatures. It's great when you have people in house that can do it. But when you don't, like that's like that's like. Um, printing materials and painting miniatures are the two things we don't do in house. Um, and it, oh man, both of them pinch, both of them pinch hard. Yeah. Yeah. We also don't sculpt. We sculpt a little bit. Jesse, Jesse's good at sculpting some stuff, but uh, you know, not like nice miniatures yet, but eventually I'm hoping like five years down the line, his sculpting will get up to, uh, up to snuff and uh, we'll be able to like drag all that stuff back in the house and cut out a huge expense. Um, Man, oh my god, sculpting! Yeah, that's again. That's one of the big reasons why you know I, if if the different games from Warpiece Engine take off, 
the, at least the ones that I produce and people at some point approach me saying, I really want to make models for this. You know, they have to approach me. I'm never going to actively go out and find a sculptor unless like the community as a whole is like, we want official models, but. Yeah. Again, well, see, I mean, like the, 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 the models nowadays. Well, the problem with sculpting and not that like, I mean, we're very close to like, we're past an hour now, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into a little spiel of this, but, um, and, and then I'll lay off. But uh, uh, the problem with sculpting right now in the industry is because the, the market is expanding so aggressively um, that uh, your, your, your bottlenecks, in my opinion, your big bottlenecks in, uh, in producing a game are um, production and sculpting, right? So that's, you know, you know, concept art, no problem. Illustrations, no problem. You can find people to do that. But sculpting tabletop miniatures that are, are good quality and that can be manufactured and that aren't going to break on the tabletop, right? Those three things. Getting that... That's a big bottleneck because the talent pool is small. And part of the reason why the talent pool is small, in my opinion, is that anybody who can do it really well is going to get paid a shitload more money by big toy companies, right, and video game companies, companies in, in established markets that have, uh, you know, a bigger, a, a bigger market to sell to and have more money, right, because tabletop gaming as a whole is very small. And so anybody that's doing it and is really, really good is basically doing it for fun because they enjoy it. And so with those people, not only are they expensive, but they're, they're charging less than they would get from other companies doing their regular straight day job stuff. And so you can't blame them for the price and you have no leverage. So there's no negotiating room. And on top of that, they're fully booked because the, the, the market is expanding and their, their demands are, their, their skills are in high demand. And then you have a, a, a mid tier where you have people who are very good and they mostly scope for tabletop games but that's because either they're, you know, they might be, you know, younger, a little bit less experienced. They might be doing it sort of as a side job from some other thing. Um, they don't spend a lot of time on it, or um, they're not, they're not, you know, good enough to be sculpting for some of these other companies, right? And so, you know, you might be able to get good sculptors in that range, but it, you know, you're taking a risk every time you hire somebody. That's why, you know, we're very happy with Maddie right now. But, you know, it's, it's tough to find a person who not only has the availability and is at the right price point, but is also going to be reliable and is not going to flake out on you or is not going to, like, get too big for their britches and be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm done doing this low-rent free, low freelance work. I'm going to go do this other work for this other person because, you know, I'm good enough for it. <laughs> right. You know, there's a big difference between someone doing a couple 3D sculpts for, you know, your miniatures for Exiles, and they're like, well, I just got hired on to do God of War. Yeah, exactly right, and you don't want that to happen, right? You, you don't fucking want that to happen, and so you got you got to be. It takes a lot of time uh, to find uh, to find a good people, and and I like I like establishing long term relationships with people. Um, that's what makes me very happy in this market. So it it, it increases the risk. I think it, it reduces the um, uh, your your over your 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 daily risk, but it increases your 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 risk of catastrophic problems. Um, so like our, our concept artist, Hugh Pinder, I'm still begging this, this guy to come back and work for us. I'm still, I'm working with other concept artists now, but damn it. I love Hugh. I love his work. And, um, like every piece of concept art anyone has ever seen for exiles now has, has been, has been done by Hugh Pinder. Cause I was, I was able to get him to do our first new release, uh, persona pack, but uh, he loves doing dragons and fairies <laughs> and elves. <laughs> And he does, he, he's a, he has a day job, right? And so it's all his freelance is on the side. Um, and so, you know, he's only got so much time and he loves doing those fucking elves. And I'm like, just do cowboys. Fuck. Do cowboys, Hugh. For the love of God, do some more cowboys. But we were his, uh, we were his very first uh, um, uh, freelance commission. So fun fact about Hugh Pinder. 
Mindworm Games was his very first freelance commission because I found his work. And I was like, I saw his work online. Um, I saw his sketchbooks and I said, that guy can draw. That guy, has his, 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 his composition is, is tight. He's going somewhere. He's going to be a great artist, you know, 10 years down the road. Let's grab him now. Let's pick it from the vine. Um, the problem is we weren't, you know, he's also an unknown quantity, right? And so, you know, uh, he worked for us and, uh, and eventually he was like, I don't know, man, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get hired by somebody like Paizo if I'm drawing cowboys. Right. Ah! <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, speaking of, um, you know, first commissions and all that, a, um, a friend of mine, he's an artist. Uh, it's, it's been 10, 12, probably about 12 years that mm-hmm. I've known him. But, uh, I was, I was working on a project 12 years ago and I happened to stumble on a forum and I found him, paid him like a hundred or two hundred dollars to to draw me some stuff, and and you know started a you know friendship that you know had him draw stuff every now and again. And we haven't talked a whole lot here and there. He's gotten really busy. He's a comic book artist among other things now, you know, doing lots of awesome things. Well, he started recently doing a Twitch stream once a week. Once a week, he sits down, you know, and he's drawing something, and you know, it's it's just kind of cool. I turn it on; it's in the background, chat with not. Well, like episode one, you know, he, you know, it like went live. It pinged me that he was live on Facebook, so I jumped in, and I was like, "Oh, hey, what's going on?" And uh, it was it was kind of awesome because he's got a friend who's reading him any any messages that pop up. And so, you know, he says, you know, Nick Bogart, you know, says, you know, says, hey, you know, this is awesome or whatever. And man, he went on, he's like, man, he helped me get started. He was like the first person to give me money to draw, (laughs) help build me up. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of awesome. You know, like 12 years later, you know, like, you know, it just kind of a cool feeling. So, you know, I, I hope, you know, if you don't, managed to drag him back in like 12 years he's like yes th- this guy was cool he wanted me to draw a fuckload of cowboys <laughs> and i like the fairies but you know what <laughs> it was still cool shit well the thing i like about you um and i you know we're on his list of uh of people to work with but um um you know, anyhow but the reason why i like you is that um he's creative and he's passionate about what he does and um uh, but he's just so easy to work with um Managing artists can be a real uh, headache, and I think any any art director can tell you that because um, um, you know there's a lot of personality when it comes to creativity. <laughs> there's a lot of personality, and same thing with game design, right? I'm sure I'm sure as a game designer, my business partner's like Ben's is a fucking headache to work with. <laughs> but uh, but Hugh and I got a relationship down to the point where I could be like, here's a brief man, go for it, and a couple of days later he'd give a vacuum and say, you know, like fifty uh, percent uh, of the time it'd be like done, great, put in the can. We're finished. Here's another brief. Um, and then beyond that, if it wasn't, if it wasn't done already, it was one pass later. It's like, all right, we'll change this and this done. Uh, uh, it's good. And, uh, it's so awesome when you have a relationship like that with any kind of contractor in any business, um, that you can, somebody you can, you can develop a relationship with that you can just fire off stuff and say, look, I need your help. I need you to do this. And it gets done. It gets done the right way. And you, you don't have to do a whole lot of handholding and explaining. And that's always the problem working with the new artists is that you got to, then now build that new relationship up, build that working, uh, yeah. build that working relationship. Oh yeah. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not sure we're going to get our Walburns done. 
<laughs> in time for Christmas is because we had to we had to build that relationship with Maddie. You know, we had to find him and we had to build that relationship with him. And now he's producing some really fantastic work. And hopefully, one of the reasons why we went with Maddie is because he has availability, and hopefully, he'll be able to do all the work we need for 2017. Um, and that'll give us a nice, consistent look across our line. Um, we'll have to see where it goes, but uh, you know, man. Every time you lose that relationship, you get set back. But some companies like uh, like Red Republic Games, for example, they spread the work around all over the place. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know uh, if I could work with 10 different artists. That, that, that or Harvest uh, Belly. Really? Uh, Infinity. They, they did. You know, if you look at you know, up until the, the latest miniature lines, um, you know, there was different massive differences in scale and how they how their models were even posed, um, you know, just everything. Like, you you can definitely tell a older Corvus Belly sculpt from a new one. Mm. Not because the sculpts are bad, but because they're just, they're, they're odd in the fact that they don't match. Yeah, like, they don't all, match this, all the stuff now, and I, I forget what where the, you know, demarcation point is, you know, but everything from that point on is just absolutely gorgeous, and it all looks uniform. If you can assemble it. <laughs> if you can assemble it. <laughs> now, I know Simon, uh, um, since you work for Simon, I know Simon uh, uses a lot of different artists, but uh, a lot of your games, though, the, the sculpting is very consistent across our Christian professional, a big company, they know what they're doing. Yeah, um, but that's a remarkable they, achievement. They they basically full time hired on Big Child. Ah, uh, that makes sense. That makes That's sense. That's all that ended up happening. And of course, them. All right, I assume like Tim is going to cut us off at some point, right? Because we're yeah, we are getting to that point. I mean, at this point, we've already shot over by twenty uh, twenty one minutes. Wow. <laughs> did we actually start on time for once? We did. We started, well, 8.02, I think, is when this thing actually started recording. Well, that's because Tim wow. snuck it in on you. Tim just, like, hit the I button. Well, that. I mean, he did that, too, you know, but, you know, whatever. Like I said, <laughs> I kind of I like, you know, the more casual intros because it's like, normally he's like, all right, we're going to be quiet for, like, 10 seconds. Just 10 and- seconds. And then we're going to, you know, do the intro and introduce everyone and this and that. And so that 10 seconds, it's like, what the fuck was this guest's name? Um, <laughs> how, how, do I, how do I pronounce uh, Tim's last name? Corkscrew? Yeah, Corkscrew. That's it. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, since we're going to call myself Corkscrew, fuck it. Uh, we're just going <laughs> to wrap this episode. Benson. Tell us again, where can we find all your beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Exiles stuff? Yeah, so Exiles is uh, produced by my, uh, my brand new uh, awesome company, Mindworm Games. It's all one word, Mindworm. So you can find it at uh, mindwormgames.com as our website or Mindworm Games on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have all kinds of bullshit out there. Um, uh, Exiles is a, is a Wild West uh, skirmish game with a lot of role-playing elements. And uh, you can learn all about it on our website and download the rules for free and download, you know, free cards and free uh, character sheets and all that kind of bullshit. So you can, you don't have to pay us any money, I guess. You can just, you know, try Exiles out for free if you go to our, our, our website. Um, we have a whole bunch of products we're, we are releasing. We just released um, a terrible, horrible product called The Worst Cards <laughs> Ever for Black Friday. Um, and uh, Monday, 
this coming Monday, we're releasing um, a printed version of a, of a free downloadable mini campaign. And then we have another deck of cards the next week. And if we don't have our wall burns, our brand new persona, um, out in time for Christmas, we will have another product to fill that slot. We have a little upgrade, some upgrade tokens to fill that slot. Nice. And then we have other products we're going to be releasing all going up towards Gen Con. So we have we're busy, 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 um, because that's that's the kind of company I wanted to have. We start awesome. it, and then we start making new shit, and we just keep making new shit. There you go. All right, you new fucks. Shit. Well, that's going to end this episode. Nick, is there anything else you want to throw in there before we uh, sign this bitch off? Just that you're going down. <laughs> oh, come on, Nick. Don't hurt yourself, man. Jesus Christ. Okay, so on that note, uh, Nick has a death wish. And it's, usually, it's great talking with Benson. He's going to paint some beautiful miniature. It's going to be beautiful for Nick. It's going to look great on the table, all right? That's what he's yeah. going to do. <laughs> I like I like how he says that. It's, it's going to be beautiful for Nick. <laughs> My right. minions are beautiful for me. If they're at my skill level, I, you know, if you push your boundaries, like, you know, if you push your boundaries with a model, you do something new, try something cool, like you put some snow effect you've never done before, that's great, man. <laughs> why, why, how can anybody complain about that? I used to complain, not to drag this out, but I used to complain about how when people give me shit about not painting my miniatures, I'm like, each fucking one of these miniatures is converted. And I'm, it takes time to do that. Every single one of my fucking 150 guardsmen has is uniquely converted. They all have las locks and backpacks and bullshit and green scuff sculpted on it. Don't fuck with my painting. I'll paint them when they're done. I'll paint them when they're done being converted. <laughs> and they never were because they're guardsmen, and you never have enough. <laughs> you never have enough. Yes, never have enough. But when they do get painted, they got very like a basic paint job dip done good enough. <laughs> All right. It's been awesome. Catch you guys later. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy. We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at Tim at SkirmishSupremacy.com or Nick at SkirmishSupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.